0: All right, well, we are certainly praying for Pastor Josh and Carrie and little Robbie who are sick. If you didn't know that, they are uh, sick and not with us today. Forgive me as I gear up here for a second. I've never worn this before. Alaska. It's on. There we go. Ooh, we're on. Okay. And uh, anyhow, we're praying for uh, Pastor Josh and, uh, and them to get better quickly, and I know you are as well, um, and could not be with us today, and we, do, we uh, of course, always miss them when they're not here, and um, we'll be keeping them in prayer. And uh, appreciate our family singing there this morning. Keep that song in mind as we go through the, the message today. What an... I grew up with that song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus, and I'm sure many or most of you did as well, and sometimes we sing these old songs and we forget, you know, the words because we've sung them so many times, but what a message and song that that is. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ. Take your Bible this morning and go ahead, and we're going to go to two different passages uh, this morning as we begin. Exodus chapter 12. You see the two uh, there on the screen behind me, and then Deuteronomy chapter 11. We'll begin in Exodus chapter 12, and then go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now, your bulletin says that we're going to be talking about the fall of Saul. Well, that's not true this morning. Um, That's going to be next week, Lord willing. Uh, Pastor Josh will pick back up in his series on uh, talking about Saul, King Saul, and then David. But uh, today, we're going to talk about what's on the doorposts. What's on the doorposts? And beginning in Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 7, familiar Bible story, we'll come back to it in a minute. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, the lamb, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. And then jump down to verse 12. For I will pass... Day for you, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. And then jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We saw in the first passage where the Lord told the children of Israel, the Jewish nation, as they were coming out of Egypt, to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of their house to escape the wrath of God that was coming. They had to be behind the blood, behind the blood that God had said to put on that doorpost. The firstborn was safe. Then later on in Israel's history, as time goes by and they come out of the land of Egypt, the Lord gives the law to the people, to his people. And in verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 11, God tells the people this, "'You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart "'and in your soul, "'and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand.'" And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. And look what he says in verse 20. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth, for if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways, holding fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. What's on the doorposts? What's on the doorposts of our homes, of our houses? That's our theme for today and our message this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'll help us here today and I thank you for the privilege to be gathered together with your people on a Sunday morning. Lord, we thank you for Sunday morning. We thank you for what that means for us as your children, as Christians. Lord, Jesus has come, the one, the perfect lamb who was promised for so long. And we thank you for the blood that the perfect lamb shed for our sins. And we thank you for the law For the truth of your word that you have given to your people. Just as in the old covenant, you gave the people the blood and the lamb from the lamb and the the law. Lord, you have also given us the blood in the new covenant. Lord, the most precious blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away our sins. And your word, Lord, that if we will do it and obey it, you have also promised for your people that you will do great things in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, and in our nation. And I pray, Lord, that you'll take the words that were said all this past week at Vacation Bible School, in the stories, in the lessons, and what was said in between things, and, Lord, the love that was shown to these children. I pray that you'll use that, the seeds, Lord, that were planted, that, Lord, they will take root and they will grow, and that, Lord, they will eventually bear fruit. Lord, we pray that you won't just reach children through that BBS, but you'll reach entire families and homes. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us this morning. Be with Pastor Josh and Carrie and little Robbie, and we thank you, Lord, for what a blessing they are to us, and how you, Lord, provide your churches with your preachers, and we thank you for them and the ministry that they are. Bless them, Lord, and heal them, we pray today, and all others who are having sicknesses right now. There's a lot going around. Lord, we just pray now especially for this message. May you use it to build us up, strengthen us, Lord, as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God was to be the God of Israel. In the Old Testament, Israel was his people. They were his nation, and he would show them how to live. They belonged to him. Now, we're going to come back to this in a minute, this, um, uh, the doorposts. But before we do, I want to mention a few things here. And You know, we did have a great week in VBS, did we not? Those of you who were involved, and I, uh, I want to echo what John said, just uh, we appreciate so much all the work that goes into something like that. Uh, those things don't just pop up overnight, right, and, and happen. Uh, people put a lot of time and thought and meetings and, and work and pre- preparation, and, uh, and from my family, I just, we just so much appreciate all the work that everybody did. Jennifer and I thoroughly enjoyed being a part of the teen class. This past week, and being able to teach uh, that particular class. But you know, in VBS, we talked about God. God as the... Oops, let me get some more technology turned on here. Uh, God as the creator. We talked how God is the creator, he's the designer, he's the redeemer, and he is, through the Holy Spirit, the empowerer of his people. And we tried to leave these messages with the children who came uh, to VBS this past week. God is the creator of all things. The whole world belongs to God. We are made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God, unlike a dog or a cat or a pig or a cow. And these are wonderful creations of God as well. Mankind is made in the image of God, and we are able to work and to design, just as God does, to create. And to take these hands and these feet and these these, uh, eyes and ears and not waste them on trivialities. But to take them and use them for good in this world for the Lord. God is the great creator. He's the great designer. He's the great redeemer. And he's the great empowerer. And yes, this whole creation belongs to God. And God in his creation has ordained three institutions. There are three institutions that God has given to us, set up in his world. Now, God's the maker of the world, so we understand he knows how this thing should run. Amen? God knows how it should work better than we know. Um, When we get in the way and try to do things other than how God has set it up, we are going to make a mess of things, and we certainly can see that, can't we? We've experienced it. We've probably done it ourselves. Um, God has set up three institutions. The family was the first one, the church, and the government. The family, or the home, the church, and the civil magistrate, or the government. All three of these things are God's ideas. They're not mankind's ideas. Man didn't come along one day and say, hey, I've got a thought. Let's put a man and a woman together. This works pretty well, and then let them have children and then we'll call it, what should we call this? Call it a family. That's not how it works, right? God instituted this. God gave us this thing called a home and a family. God gave us the church. God gave us government. And these three things, these three entities, have a proper working. They have a proper form. There are rules that God has laid down in how they work, and how they work the best. Um, At the same time that there's form and order, there's also freedom and independence in each one of these institutions God has made. Um, And only God can do this, and only God can set it up in these ways. And in God's plan, these institutions work beautifully when God is obeyed. Now, God didn't set up other institutions in the world, though there are a lot of other good institutions. You may be part of a stamp club. God didn't make that. Uh, that's something maybe you can enjoy. Maybe the, the, the YMCA, the, the uh, uh, AC, well, anyhow, there's all kinds of institutions in the world. The NRA, whatever it is you may be a part of, but God did institute these three. And these three institutions, as well as all institutions in the world, are made up of individual people. Individuals make up families, individuals make up churches, and individuals make up the civil magistrate or the government. Now in BBS we learned that God's the creator. He's the creator of these things, he's the designer and he designed these institutions. We talked in BBS about God is the redeemer and boy do we not need a redeemer. And through the redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, we are born again, we'll get to this in a minute. We are redeemed from our sin and then we are, we talked in BBS, empowered empowered to do the things God wants us to do in this world through the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit indwells individuals, individuals that make up families, individuals that make up churches, and individuals that make up the government, and stamp clubs and everything else, when he indwells them, those people bear fruit. They bear what's called in Galatians, the fruit of the, help me out, Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is born out in the lives of individuals when they are redeemed, when they are brought back to God through the blood of the Son of God, second person of the Godhead. And one of the, one of the fruits of that conversion is this right here, self-control, self-government. What is the fruit of the Spirit? We learned them as children. The fruit of the Spirit is love, things like joy peace, long-suffering, goodness, faith, meekness. And then that last one, I, as a kid, I learned the word temperance. That, that was from the, the Bible version that we studied, the word temperance. Of course, in our minds, that often can refer to alcohol. But the whole point is, the, whole, the meaning of the word is self-control, self-government. Really what it is, it's a fruit of the Spirit, so it's Holy Spirit control, but individuals Having the ability to self-govern, have self-control, is a fruit of the Spirit. This self-control is the basic building block for establishing non-tyrannical governments. Non-tyrannical institutions. Without self-control, without self-government, this fruit of the Spirit, families can become autocratic. Autocratic. In other words, absolute leadership. Tribes, instead of being autonomous, but they can come under one domineering personality or families can just simply fall apart, be destroyed. Without self-control, the church can become a despotic monster. And we've seen that throughout church history, a time or two. And then the civil magistrate, of course, the government, can become an overreaching, covetous thug. Now, I know you've never seen that before anywhere in the world, but it can happen when there's no self-government by the people, by the individuals. All three of these institutions that we have on the screen are in serious trouble today. That's the bad news. You don't need me to stand here and tell you that. The family, the church, the government, they're in trouble today. What's the problem? What's going on? It's not hard I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but we have a Bible, don't we, that tells us these things? The Word of God, if we'll just look to it, if we'll just go to the Word of God and open it up and see what it says, it tells us these things. Men are slaves. That's the problem. We think we're so free. We think we've got it all together and we've got all this freedom. And in the end, what we really are are slaves. We're slaves to sin, slaves to our passions. Slaves to our lusts, and this is the problem. And in that, we have no self-control. We have no self-government anymore because our passions are running wild, and we're slaves to those sins. And when individuals are slaves to sins controlled by sin, as all are before they are redeemed, before they are converted, they cannot enjoy the plan that God has ordained for humanity. These things that God has given to us when they're working properly in the right form and in the right freedom, they're a beautiful, beautiful thing. When self-government and self-mastery is gone because of slavery to sin, it ruins God's good plan for his people. A nation of fornicating potheads will not long enjoy civil liberty. Can't work. A church congregation that's lethargic. I know that's a funny picture there. Filled with sin Monday through Saturday and then compartmentalized on Sunday. That's spiritual time. God will not work or be able to work in their midst for very long. A family that's filled up with self centered, scheming manipulators, all in for themselves. They will not be at peace with each other and it will crumble. What's wrong? What's wrong with these institutions that God has made that can work so beautifully and so mightily in this world, have such power? What's wrong is that the individuals that make them up have lost control. The fruit of the Spirit is not being born in lives. It's back to the same old story, isn't it? The gospel. The gospel is the answer. Men, women, boys, and girls need to be set free. Set free from the bondage they may not even know that they're in and under. And in God's plan, because we are sinners, we have to have order and form and rules and law. And yet at the same time, we are to have liberty and independence and freedom And the only way this balance can actually happen is if we are set free from sin. The Spirit of God moves throughout this world. God converts individuals who believe on the Son of God. Jesus Christ has come. Praise the Lord for that. We live over 2,000 years on this side of the coming of the one who has promised, we told this to the, to the kids all week this week, the one who was promised from the beginning of creation when, when Adam and Eve first sinned and God made the first promise that there was going to be a coming redeemer. And God took thousands of years. I believe Eve thought Cain was the coming redeemer. Why not? First man-child born. Oh, he's here, he's here. What would she have thought when he murdered his own brother? She probably started doubting that before then, right? If you ever raise a little boy, you know they're sinful. But God takes thousands of years. This is God. God takes thousands of years, but then in due time, just the right time, God brings in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, in a way we would have never dreamed or imagined. That's just the fingerprint of God. And we live now 2,046 years on this side or thereabouts of the coming of the Messiah, the centerpiece of all of history. Jesus Christ, someone said, is like a red line that runs through the entire Bible. It's all about him. It's, it's all about the coming Messiah. It's all about the sacrifice that he will make and the kingdom that he will set up. And here we are. Messiah has come. And now we can be set free from this sin That we are so easily tempted by. You know what I'm talking about. You have to live with yourself. Amen. I have to live with mine. And I deal with things every day. And I know how terrible sin is. And it makes a song like, what can wash away that sin? That sin? My sin? Well, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we can be set free from sin. So the Spirit of God moves and He convicts heart. And if men believe on the Lord Jesus and set free from sin, then those families and those churches and then ultimately that state and nation can enjoy this form and freedom together. No longer does self-centeredness rule, and that's the problem. On the throne of most people's lives is me, self. Decisions are made All based on what it's going to do for me, what it's going to give me, my pleasures, self centeredness. So we become scheming manipulators in all of these institutions, all out for ourselves. But after Christ has come and after we're redeemed, then I love this phrase. I didn't make it up myself. I have a book named This. It becomes this My life for yours. My life for yours. It's one or the other. It's either my life for yours or my life for me. It's one or the other. You either have a march for life or a march for me. March for life. You you all know what the march for life is. Praise the Lord for the victory that we've had in our nation with in the area of abortion. I can't stop talking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. <coughs> Excuse me. For years men and godly men and women in this nation have been all about praying that God would bring down this sin of abortion. We've seen a major milestone. It's not been resolved yet completely. There's much work left to be done, but we have taken a giant step forward. Praise the Lord for it. We used to live not far from Washington DC and we would attend at a time or two the March for Life that would take place there and Thousands and thousands of people every year would march around D.C., taking a stand against this in our nation. The media would never report it. I used to get so angry at that. I don't know what I expected, but but, uh, but would not report it. Yet thousands would march, and praise the Lord for what's been accomplished. But Matt Walsh said something I thought was very um, insightful about the March for Life. Here's what separates the March for Life from any other march. Nobody in attendance is marching for themselves. Nobody is demanding rights or privileges for themselves. Everyone is marching on behalf of those who cannot march. Isn't that a great thought, great statement? It's about my life for yours. So many marches, so many demonstrations, and praise the Lord we have the freedom for that, right? We have the freedom to stand up and to be able to to speak out and to demonstrate when we feel it's needed, but so many are all about me, me, my rights, what I. But the March for Life was all about my life for yours, marching for those who cannot march themselves. And that's what Jesus taught. Those are the basic principles that he displayed. He said things like Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, give up your own life for other people. That's the mindset that changed the world after Jesus Christ came. We have hospitals today. Some are called, I was born in a hospital called Holy Spirit Hospital. (laughs) Isn't that something? Pennsylvania. Holy Spirit Hospital was a Catholic hospital. We've got Baptist hospitals, Methodist hospitals. Where'd that come from? It came from the principles that Jesus taught when he came and it changed the world. My life for yours. John Adams said this, <clears throat> Our constitution, our government, our form, our freedom that we have in this nation presupposes or is made up only of a mor- uh, uh, of a moral and a religious people. It is wholly unfit for any other. It is unfit. This constitution that we have that, that I love is so wonderful. We've been so blessed, haven't we, in, in America with such freedom and such so, so much prosperity and wealth. This didn't come by accident. It's unfit, though, for a self-indulgent, debauched, sin-enslaved people. It doesn't work. It can't when there's no self-government or self-control. If the people, if the individuals that make up the nation or the churches or the homes have no self-control and they're slaves to sin, then no constitution, no resolution, no other paper document, no political leader... No president, no election will matter. It all falls apart. The freedom and stability of any group of people is found in the moral integrity of the people themselves. And that moral integrity is only possible since we are sinners if the grace of God has come to us and forgiven us. Tocqueville said, America is great because America is good. Right? And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And by the way, God gets to define what good is. God's the one who's told us what is good and what is right, oh man. God must become the lawgiver in our hearts. So many families, so many churches, and so many nations are so messed up today. But when individuals are self, self-governed by my life for yours, that motto, when the heart has been changed, when it's about all about the Lord and his kingdom, and then my life for yours, the institutions God has set in motion are a beautiful thing, and that's only possible if Jesus Christ is preached. Repentance, forgiveness, and cleansing. Repentance ought to be preached in our nation, up and down this land. Turn from your own ways. Turn from your own ideas. 360 away from it and go back to Jesus Christ. Go back to God. Go back to his word. Back to his way. Forgiveness and cleansing. And this doesn't just affect me personally, but it is the answer for the home, for the nation, and for the churches. Without this repentance, without this preaching of Christ, Without this gospel, proper form and freedom are impossible. It really is the gospel that is the answer. The gospel is the answer for your home, for my home. The gospel is the answer for our church and for all churches. And then ultimately, the gospel is the answer for America and every other nation in the world. Once you are forgiven in Christ... Individuals become the temple of the living God indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God and his fruit begins to be born in your life. The greatest thing that you can do for your nation and for your church and for your home is to become a true born again believer in Christ with the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in our self-controlled Holy Spirit controlled lives functioning properly in God's institutions. When men are forgiven of sin and set upright again, they find themselves functioning within the framework of these three basic governments. The blood is applied and the word is applied. The blood is applied and the word of God is obeyed. The first foundation in these three institutions that God has given to us is the family. It is the home. The nation is, just, is on rocky ground because the homes are being destroyed. The family, following the order that God has established, the order that's found and given to us in his word. For example, this kind of order. That the husband is the head of the home. It's a picture, we hear it at weddings all the time, it's a picture of Christ and his church. The husband, the father is the head of the home. The wife is his body and the executive of the family. And they work together to shepherd those beautiful little ones to Christ. Raising other men and women who will start other homes in this nation of the same kind. And when all members are redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, set free from sin by the gospel, transformed, functioning properly, my life for yours is the motto, God's word giving us the answer for all that we face. It is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing, and it's an influential thing. Strong homes become the foundation for the strong churches of a land and the foundation of a strong nation and government. Now, just for a couple minutes and then I'm done, let me speak to the men. Men, we are the head of the home. God has given us as men the responsibility to be the leaders of the home, of the church, and of the nation. The doorposts of the children of Israel were to have, we read there in Exodus, the blood applied. The doorpost, of course, is the way into the home. Uh, So much of the Old Testament is symbolic, isn't it? It, It's symbolic that, that was pointing to a thing that was coming, which was Christ. And what would come after Christ and what would come into the world. And this is one of those things. The children of Israel, now they were to literally do this. To put the blood on the doorpost of that home in Egypt. And then what was going to take place? We were talking to the kids this week about it in BBS. The wrath of God was coming through the land. And it was going to destroy the firstborn in every home that didn't have the blood applied. So it was the responsibility of the father and of the husband of that home to be sure the blood was applied on that home. That the gospel was there. That's what applies to us. And if it was, then the family was safe. The death angel would pass over. Just like that. What is it that we have to be saved from? If you ask a child that, the first thing you'll hear is sin. We have to be saved from our sin, and that's true, but it doesn't go all the way. What we have to be saved from is the same thing the children of Israel had to be saved from. The wrath of God. It is the wrath of God a holy, righteous God that's coming upon our sin. That's what the salvation is coming to save us from. Well, what is the salvation? How can I be saved from the wrath of God? It's only through the blood. It's only by applying the blood of Jesus Christ upon the doorposts of our hearts and our homes. The Philippian jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and my household. And she said that. We bring the gospel to our families. As men, we have that responsibility to bring the gospel to our families in our homes. What if the man won't do it? Well, God is, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And it's not according to his plan other ways, but God can do things that we cannot do. God can do miracles and we pray and we talk to him and God is God. But men, ultimately, it's our responsibility. And then... They were commanded to write, we saw at the beginning, write the law of the Lord on their doorposts. Now, I don't know if they actually did that literally. They probably did, if that was God's intention. But, but anyhow, the point being that the blood was applied first to the home. And after that, the law was written upon the, the doorposts of the home. First the blood, then the law. It's the same in the new covenant. First the blood, than the law. Here's that passage of scripture. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorposts and the, uh, the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. <clears throat> in the new covenant, first the blood of Christ and then the word of that same Christ written on our hearts individually. The Old Testament said that. It said, I will give them new hearts. Hearts not of stone but of flesh where my word will not be written on tablets of stone but on fleshly tables of the hearts, God's word written here, we change in salvation, we want to obey the Lord, though we fail so often, though all of us have experienced that, we pick ourselves up, we ask the Lord for help, the Holy Spirit pricks our hearts of sin, and we go forward serving the Lord, we want to obey him, we want to do what is right, and please him, and bring our families to him, the one who gave himself for us as a sacrifice is the same one who speaks to us as our Lord and as our master. So the law, of the doorposts, the law on the doorposts of our lives and homes show that we are dedicated to God and the blood on the doorposts, that was there first, show that we are a house of forgiven sinners dedicated to God, dedicated to God. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice, the high priest and it follows that he is also the prophet And the king of our homes. We must settle this in our hearts today. The blood for salvation, the law, the word of God for dedication. We cannot do things our own way. We cannot go on down a path of just doing whatever we want, compartmentalizing our lives. Sunday's spiritual day, church day, and then Monday I do whatever I want, Tuesday, and then I live real life when I go to work, and then I go back to church on Sunday, spiritual time. No, again, we were sharing this with the kids all week in VBS. This thing of following Jesus as our Lord, we throw these terms around so easy, don't we? As our master, this is a whole life, every day, every moment of every hour ordeal. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Everything. Everything I do. You know, I thought of this, if the man had not taken the responsibility to put that blood on the door everybody in that home would have suffered, wouldn't they? The firstborn would have died. I always want to take the opportunity to talk to young people. We have some here today, and you all have influence in in your circle of influence over young people. And I want to challenge young ladies to find a man in their life who will apply the blood and the law to the doorposts of your future home a dedication of the home to God and his word. And of course, we want to challenge the young men to take these things very seriously. The greatest thing that we can do for our nation, for our churches, and for our future homes is to follow these same principles that God gave to Israel so long ago, we as the people of God. It's a beautiful picture of this in Exodus that we see And it works in our day as well in the new covenant. God's word, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. It is more blessed to give than to receive, instead of scheming, manipulating, all in it for me. My life for yours. In conclusion, the answer, it's not hard, the answer for our homes and our churches and our nation and our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ, ultimately. The grace of God is available for anyone who will repent of their own way, submit to God, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit can bear that wonderful fruit in a self controlled, Holy Spirit controlled life. And it becomes my life for yours. Apply the blood to the doorposts of the home. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Write the law of God on the doorposts of the home a household fully dedicated to God. Whether you're here today and you're a young man or a young woman, a child, whether you're uh, middle-aged or whether you have children at home right now, whether you have grandchildren in your circle of influence, great-grandchildren, or wherever you are today, this can be applied to all of us. Who's in our circle of influence that needs to see this in action, that needs to be reminded of these things? And what can we each one of us do as we go home today to let the Lord take us and use us in his kingdom for his honor, for his glory? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we think on these things. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for giving us Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he has come, King of kings, Lord of lords, died, was buried, rose again three days later, ascended to your right hand. And Lord, thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit as you promised. And I pray that each one of us, Lord, would search our own hearts, see where we are with you. And Lord, that we would be strengthened today by the message. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, each one, to, Lord, if there's sin that needs to be confessed, I pray that we'll do that within our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today or that we'll hear this uh, message, maybe on the internet or wherever, that, Lord, if they've never applied the blood of Christ to their own hearts and lives, that they'll accept Jesus Christ as their own Lord and Savior. That, Lord, will just see a great revival in this land, revival in our homes, churches, and then ultimately our nation. God, we thank you for providing the way, the truth, and the life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.